Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, with your other host, Richard Geiger of the Magnificent. Coming to you live from the Mazda Recording Studios. <laughs> this week, we have one of our favorite people on with us, Delvin Cox from the Delvin Cox Experience. How are you, good sir? I'm doing good, brother. How you guys doing today? We are fabulous. I bet. Well, I'm. I speak for myself. I'm sorry. I'm fabulous. How are you, Richard? I mean, <laughs> I am. I will say this: Richard looks like a little angel with the wings behind him because of the yeah. background. <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. 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 He's, he's... spotlight on me right here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I noticed that. Uh, Celebrating too... college athletics or the lack thereof. <laughs> yeah. That's not happening. <laughs> like, no, like college sports might be done for the year. Yeah. No. Crazy to say that. That that makes a lot of people very sad for some understandable reasons. I saw an excellent picture that somebody posted up on social media of a live wrestling event that was taking place in the middle of a football field so that everybody could be properly distanced and still be able to see the match. And I just still it seems a little weird just just a little out yeah. there so this week we are recording in the middle of a thunderstorm to make things interesting and to give the ambiance to uh get behind this uh topic that we're going to talk about um two of the three of us uh are fairly uh strong wrestling fans and one's had some wrestling experience we don't often talk about it but it's a big part of pop culture uh delvin how long have you been watching uh wrestling since I was six years old, I actually do a wrestling podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, that, that's why that was the softball <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to lead up to I talking do, about that. Which is crazy. I do a Patreon exclusive wrestling podcast on a PSVG podcast that we're called PSVG Strong Style, uh-huh. where we talk about current wrestling and stuff like that today. But I've been watching wrestling since I was six years old. I remember watching a lot of Saturday Night's main event. That was my. My jam when I was a kid watching nice. like the Mega Powers Unite and stuff like that and Hogan <laughs> and Savage and watching the Ultimate Warrior. That was my that was my stuff, man. I've been Ooh, watching yeah. it ever since then. I don't think I even I may have had a small break from wrestling, like in the mid two thousands, but that was that was maybe a year or two of not watching it. But otherwise than that, I've been watching it my whole life. And then that kind of goes to me, who watched ever since I was young, up until maybe I don't know, seven, eight years ago, where I just started not having the time combined with uh, a lack of what I felt was a lack of innovation in the product, just a lot of regurgitation, the same thing over and over. And then, yes. ri- and then Richard, what is your viewing experience here? Uh, when I was little, I had some WWF... Uh, oh... I remember going to our local uh, VHS rental place so that I could get the um, first main event, right, uh, on VHS. But I did watch it. It would be on, you know, on the week. I don't remember what night it was on during the week, weekends, but I would watch it. Saturday. So it was Saturdays. Okay, so I was was in the Hulk Hogan era, Junkyard Dog. Like, I had those actual – rubber uh figures i'm not gonna call them dolls because that's not what they were but uh action figures uh, i had a whole action yes the rubber gigantic action figures of all of those nice wrestlers at the time 
So three different levels of experience, and we're all going to come up with our own top 10 list of finishing maneuvers that these wrestlers would use. You know, the, that, that gimmick that they would have to just cap off a match that everybody's waiting for. So excited to see, is he going to get it? Is it going to end the match? Or is it going to be one of those instances where there's 20 fake finishes before we actually get to the end of the match? So let, let's start with, uh, let's start with the, the least, uh, least exposed of us. That didn't really come out right. Let's start with the... <laughs> I mean, I try not to expose myself, but... At least experienced. There we go. I'll, that may yes. be better. That may be better. Richard, what is your number 10 move? Well, and, and some of these are generic because maybe I don't have the right names or anything, but uh, there was a... I, I'll have it number 10. Uh, and and you'll, you'll notice a theme with most of mine are because they're all from about the same era and the same collective of, of people. But I have from uh, Bret Hart. He had a pile driver that he did. I think maybe he called, was it the spike pile driver? That, that was a, kind of a standard spike pile driver, yep. Yes. So I thought that move, those moves are pretty fun. And that might not necessarily be the most exciting or flashy thing, but sometimes the simplest things or the ones that still – show off a feat of strength and athleticism by both the by both of the folks i think to me are pretty interesting so that one to me is pretty interesting well sure and you know i'm sure delvin knows this one of the big differences of that particular maneuver that brett hart would do that kind of floated over to a different wrestler and how he performed it later and was much more popular from that other wrestler uh, but his version of the pile driver would generally be with the opponent's body facing his as opposed to coming from uh, a more uh, almost powerbomb starting position which is what a Jerry Lawler would do for the pile driver he would flip things around a little bit yes that's correct power driver is a solid move very dangerous wrestling move you don't perform it properly you can end someone's career yeah that that produces heat like no other uh, move backstage when you screw it up uh uh, I, I wasn't it uh, Owen Hart that uh, screwed up that move on uh, Stone Cold. On Stone Cold, yeah, yeah. That that resulted in some neck surgeries for uh, down the road for for the gentleman, or at least contributed to it. Almost ended his career. Yeah, that bad. Yeah, it was. It it, it can be a really hard, really hard one to pull off. What uh, what about you, Delvin? You're more current day. What uh, are you going to start with a classic move or something that's a little more current that really kind of hits See, you? I had a move in mind, but I'm going to change it. <laughs> so my number ten is going to be the Macho Man elbow dive. That is. The big elbow for the Macho Man. That's a really good one. What about that? Really struck you because I mean that that's the beginning. And when you're you're when you're watching the wrestling, what about it? Kind of drew you in. Okay, I'm going to give you the original answer. My original answer was Hulk Hogan's leg drop. Ah, it was Hulk Hogan's leg drop because in his prime, it was just such an unbeatable move. Like once that leg drop dropped, you knew it was over. One, two, three. But then I thought about it, and I was like, hmm, not. It's kind of a lame move. <laughs> It's, it, one, it's a lame move. <laughs> Two, Hulk Hogan's kind of a lame person now, so it's like, yeah. uh, you know what? You know what? Maybe I should go better with the, <laughs> with the better, actual better move and the better wrestler, Macho Man Randy Savage. The elbow drop, it's just so – one, 
he was doing that move where you didn't really see American wrestlers go off the top rope. No, not much. Dude, he got a lot of – Bachelet's a big dude. Yes. He's a really big dude. He's not like a small guy. And for him to get that high up in the air to drop that elbow, it made it look so believable and so awesome at the same time. It, it's a simplistic move, but the way he did it made it look incredible. And it just was so mesmerizing to watch it. And it felt like when he hit that elbow, the match was over. Yeah. Nah, that's definitely a good one. The way he would come off the top ropes is what really struck me because a lot of a lot of wrestlers that aren't trained, like you're talking about, the way they come off is awkward. But yes. he would come out, I mean, like horizontal, and he'd measure it, and it would just be it would be the same every time. I'm going to land exactly like this, and it would look awesome, and then he'd be just out of the way so that it wouldn't actually cause any <laughs> massive lasting damage. Yes. Yeah, that that's a beautiful move. So, I, well, maybe I'll start in sort of um, sort of a more retro side because I hadn't really I had a hard time putting these in an order because I like all these moves so much. For me, it has to have a combination of elegance. It has to have some sort of innovative something about it or something that had a lasting effect. And other wrestlers, you know, did something like like a Jake the Snake DDT. He did it, and then everybody does a DDT. But it has to have that, and I want it to feel like it's a, a real move, something that if I see it, you get that kind of wince, like, oh, what what, what just happened? If I get that kind of combination uh, in some, some form, that's really what gets me. And in that time frame, there was, there was a couple of them that had that. I'm going to start with one of my favorite wrestlers that I think did not, should have gotten the strap, never did, and uh, that would be Kurt Hennig, the uh, perfect plex. Great move. That fisherman's suplex. Now, for, for those of us that may not be aware, Mr. Geiger, the fisherman's suplex, you know what a regular suplex is. You get the guy in the you know, headlock, reverse headlock, put the other arm up, you know, lift him up. Fisherman's, you grab the leg on that same side, and when you bring him up, you land them like that. But he would do that and then hold on into a bridge pin. So his, his elbows or his shoulders are off the mat, but the other person is there rolled up almost into a small package. It was beautiful. Yes, I think I remember that one now. Yeah, he's, he, just, he just amazed me. Some of the matches that he had, and he was just so gifted. And that move just was a fantastic capper to anything that he had. I agree. Just super difficult to kick out. It looks smooth. He almost always landed it crisp. Yeah. It was just impressive to watch him do it, like, because he would get it on some big guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're not kidding. Well, let's stay in classic town, uh, Mister Mister Geiger. We've 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 broken it in with uh, number ten. What what notches? What ranks a notch higher on your list at number ten or number nine? I should say. Okay, so you had mentioned um, classy um, and elegant and you know athleticism and all those things so i'll just go the complete opposite of that one uh, and and i'll do the iron sheik and the camel clutch well that's got some skill to it though i mean it looks it looks painful yes it looks painful but it's it's kind of silly if you really think about it right and yes. to an extent it's almost kind of I wouldn't say demeaning, but it kind of is to the to the other wrestler, right? Because you're just basically sitting on their back, 
uh, and you could just be laughing at him the whole time, right? Yeah. You know, I guess you could sell it a little bit more in terms of how excruciating the pain is or isn't, but you could just be sit there the whole time laughing at the person that you're sitting on their back pulling their head up. You know, I just, it, it's just amusing to me. It, it is, but when done correctly, I mean, the Iron Sheik had such heat when when he was wrestling that it really didn't matter too much what move he did because the gimmick did everything for him. But even then, it had to be something where you isolate the other person and make them look helpless, and it did that. I mean, it was eventually adopted later in the, in the 2000s by uh, Scott Steiner. Uh, Big Papa Pump used it to maybe not quite the same effect, but still maintaining the, the legacy and everything. Steiner recliner. Yeah, that's right. Very, very similar. It because of his size, it looks more like it's hurting you than it did if it was like a smaller person doing it. Also, I think Diane she got away with it back then because he was kind of certifiably crazy. Yeah, he was <laughs> so nuts. it kind of worked for him. <laughs> yeah, because it, of yeah. that. So I like that. Yeah, that's good. That's a good choice. What about you, Delvin? What hits you at number nine? I'm gonna go into the future. Right. Not too far. Well, very much in the future. I was gonna say not too far, but this kind of is very much in the future. My number nine is the Styles Clash. Okay. Now I know I know Styles a little bit. But, AJ Styles. Yeah, and I know him a little bit. He's got a great look. He's got excellent mic skills that I've seen. Haven't seen a lot of matches because he came in for me after I really stopped watching. What is the Styles Clash? It's hard to explain. Is basically, I want to say, a reverse pile driver. But what he does is he flips the person upside down, like in, like almost in a power pile position, uh. almost. But like, but he puts their arms behind his legs, and his legs, their leg, because they're up they're upside down, behind his arms, and then he literally pancakes them on the ground. Okay. Okay. That looks like it's um looks a little bit like it's um taken almost from like New Japan pro wrestling. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. It's a, it looks devastating when he hits it. It's a really good move. He's like I said, he's been doing it for a while. He's been doing it since he was in TNA. Like AJ Styles has been around for quite some time. Like interesting story about AJ Styles is he was one of the last people to sign with WCW before they went out of business. Mm. Uh, timing, it's everything. Well, I, I, and this is the story about it. They also, I also heard a couple weeks ago. If he would have signed, he, he never did sign the contract. He, he performed one match there, but he never did sign the contract. If he would have signed the contract there before they went out of business, he'd have been the lowest paid wrestler in history. Maybe not the thing you want to be <laughs> in yeah, the history right. books for. <laughs> yes, and it would have been a guaranteed contract, so he would have had to take that money. Wow, that's that's that would be kind of crazy. Yeah, I can't do that. All right. Well, how about how about we? St I'm going to stick with still some of the the older ones. I got one more kind of classic from the '80s wrestling move that I think really fits. I mean, there were some uh, tag team moves that I that I didn't put in because it took more than one person. I st stuck with individual uh, individual stuff. But uh, one of my favorite wrestlers, uh, Ravishing Rick Rude, The Rude Awakening, that move just 
what the way he performed it it's a neck breaker uh richard for for those that may not be aware he basically would rotate you around grab you by the neck while you're in the standing position you're kind of back to back and he just drop and so it looked painful <laughs> probably had a little bit of pain to it because it's it's wrestling it still hurts but it it wasn't as destructive as it as it really looked but it was just gorgeous the way it was executed I agree. Rick Rude's yeah. moves were gorgeous and very smooth wrestler. Like he's very underrated in terms of wrestling. Yeah. Awesome. He had he had the he had the mic chops, he had the look, he had the move set. I mean, he was a little injury prone, but uh that was uh that was that's the business sometimes. Also, <sighs> Richard, you probably appreciate some of Rick Rude's talents in terms of like I'm trying to think. I run a feud. It was um, against um, what is his name? I can't remember his name now. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Oh, that was a good one. When to 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 make Ricky the Dragon Steamboat angry, he put Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's wife's face on his tights. Yep. <laughs> nice. It was, it was great. <laughs> For some reason, that sounds immensely familiar to me, but. Uh, it would have been such a long time ago. Yeah. You know? It was around that and, time. And, yeah. And I, I just I just remember all the the theatrics and the drama, like where they were, like the interviews, uh, you know, bah, bah, not the behind the scenes stuff, because they didn't really necessarily do a lot of that. It was the it was the interviews beforehand. The, uh, the orchestrated and stuff. Just, yeah, and it was just like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? You know, like all those things like that. And I know it's more, they still have that, and that's changed and it's evolved, but it was so over the top, and they really got into it when they did those interviews that it just it made it that much more enjoyable to watch because besides the athleticism that you got, you, you, you got the, quote, drama or the storylines behind it too so that was the fun part and the coconuts you hit uh across the head of the other person <laughs> that you're talking <laughs> to <laughs> yes oh okay staying back in the 80s richard what what brings us up to number eight for you uh well we've already mentioned this one so this will be an easy one but i've got the uh uh flying elbow flying yeah. elbow drop by uh, the macho man Oh, yeah, brother. Yeah, he had... it, it just, yeah, his, just his persona was so, I don't know. I think it's probably what made him so popular. Besides his, like what you said, his athleticism, you know, no one got up on the top of the ring, jumped, jumped so far. Like, it wasn't just like he got up on the top and then jumped a little bit on. Like, he jumped, like, these people were laying in the middle or like more than halfway across, right? Like he had to fly so far in order to do these moves. I mean, it was just incredible. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, the Slim Jim champion. Miss yes. him. Mm-hmm. I miss that guy. What about Bone Saw? Bone Saw, right? <laughs> Bone Saw. <laughs> so, all right. So, number number eight for Mister Delvin Cox. This one is going to be one that you guys probably don't know. But if you see it, you'll know why it's on the list. Okay. If you guys can, Google Petey Williams 
Canadian Destroyer. That sounds familiar. Petey Williams was um, a wrestling impact. He was kind of like, at one point, he was tag team partners with Scott Steiner. He's a smaller guy. Yeah. He does a move called the Canadian Destroyer, which is amazing. Where he literally, while standing up, does a front flip in the air and slams the person on their head. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. His his athleticism is kind of ridiculous in performing that move. I, it would seem like it would be so easy to just slightly mess up and really get hurt. Yes. And it's such a cool move to watch because it doesn't look like it should work. No. It looks like he's defying gravity. He literally does a flip in the air holding someone and slams him and power bombs him. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I, I I didn't the first time I saw it, it didn't really connect. It just seemed fake. <laughs> I don't know any other words. Like that just that's not real. That doesn't seem realistic and I'm completely brought out of it, but I watched it a couple more times. It's like, yeah, that's that's killer. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing move to watch. Uh, the, the athleticism. Well, that, that's a great segue to go from one really athletic move to another because I usually tend to favor the sharp, sudden moves or the the power intensive moves. But let's go with with a skill all the way move. Uh, we'll go with my number eight being the four fifty splash as performed by Juventud Ooh. Guerrera. Man, man. So have you ever seen that, uh, El Ricardo? I don't believe so. Um, Go ahead and explain it for me and the folks. All right. So the 450 splash, you're talking about how you enjoyed Macho Man going up to the top of the ring and being able to launch far. Well, Juventud Guerrero was a, a luchador that came into WCW back during the big back and forth and when they're really pushing a cruiserweight division and it was awesome um now he wouldn't do distance his thing was just about stunning so he would go up to the top rope and the 450 splash he does a front flip into a roll and lands into a splash he goes more than once over and it just and he comes out of it right at the bottom almost every time it was gorgeous man Yes. So is that now? Maybe I'm. Is that why it's called the the four fifty? Yes. Or why yes. is it called the four fifty? The number of times coming around. So basically, three sixty is a full spin. He does more than a full spin to come around. Okay. And, and hit you. Gotcha. Yeah. Amazing move. Yeah, and he he got unmasked. An extra early. ninety degrees in there. Yeah. Exactly. He he had a he. I mean, cause the whole thing about the luchadors, the the mask, and he got un, unmasked early in WCW and kind of changed the way they packaged him in a weird kind of fashion, but nobody was ever really looking at the, the, um, the story behind that. They just, the, the luch, the, the cruiserweights they got at that time were all so good. And that was like at the beginning of Rey Mysterio's big thing, uh, uh, his debut. Yes. It was, it was amazing to watch. It was awesome. I agree. Super awesome. Super cool. Then Hoobie went to WWE and became like a, a, a landscaper. Yeah, yeah. I, I that was, yeah, that I was just, the thing. I just don't even have words. I mean, that you know, 
you're going to have a certain amount of stereotyping in wrestling. I mean, some of it is to kind of be expected. And in a way, some of it can even be charming if it's done right. Uh, that really was not. That just kind of seemed a little insulting. And and then they didn't do anything with him. No, not at all. It's just, it was, it was sad. Uh, all right, Richard, back to happier days, the halcyon <laughs> 80s. What do you have at number seven? Um, once again, something that's always already been mentioned. So I have the Root Awakening. Ah, excellent. Well, that, yeah. that makes it I, easy. I, and just what you said, when you, when you pick them up like that, and it looks like it has the appearance of the amount of pain that could be delivered with it. But once again, it's just, that's a lot of strength to do that. Right. I mean, yeah. that's just, it, it's not just a couple moves or player like they, that takes a lot of muscle and balance to be able to do that. So from both of them, that's why, that's why I, I like that. It's uh, the appreciation of the athleticism. Yeah. And he had, he had a great uh, feud with the ultimate warrior for a while too. I mean, that was, that was something that, I still have fond mem- uh, fond memories of from being a kid because that was that was right at the beginning of the Ultimate Warrior's ascension to awesomeness before he disappeared. All right, so Mr. Cox, number seven. Number seven, you touched on it earlier with the Luchadors. My number seven is the a Frog Splash. Now. It could either be, because there's two different kinds. Yes, there are. Both of them are phenomenal. Off the top of my head, I'm thinking Eddie Guerrero's on, He's which is awesome. awesome. And then you have Rob Van Dam's five-star spark splash. This was good, too. Both were good. Both were very differently done. Yeah. So the frog splash, Richard, is also another top rope maneuver. It's uh, the other person's laying prone in the middle, kind of like Macho Man would do. But it's, it's a pinning maneuver, so you jump out. But part of the frog splash is the fact that you flex in the middle of the jump. So you kind of bend and come out and land. And so Guerrero would almost like pike halfway there and then come out. And, and it was yes. always just right at the end, and his was awesome. Whereas Rob Van Dam would just get such air out of his jump. It was crazy. Yes. Rob Way Van more Dam's than Jean-Claude. Actually, that's funny you should mention that because Rob Van Dam looks a lot like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. I've, I've got a picture with uh, with uh, Rob Van Damme. I, I ran into him at a convention, and he's got the, the thing going on. It's like, eh, you made my day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, if you are unfamiliar with Rob Van Dam, otherwise, Richard, he is also known for maybe making one of the most boneheaded moves that you could do in wrestling. Uh, he had fought and fought. He was in ECW and, and a bunch of other circuits, and it was always awesome. And he's in WWE, and they they put him in programs. They haven't really pushed him. I mean, he's won the, the mid-card strap a couple times, if I remember correctly, but they hadn't really gone to try and give him the heavyweight belt. And so they put him in a program, push him, he wins the belt, and then gets busted for drugs. <laughs> yep. Whoops. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean. It is one time to celebrate. And... 
<laughs> it was a heck of a celebration. He did. Uh, that still makes me sad because it's kind of a funny thing to to care about in the wrestling business. If you know anything about the behind the scenes, it's kind of ridiculous. But yeah. Uh, still, if I won the strap, maybe I wouldn't do that for just a little while. <laughs> <laughs> make some money. Make some money first. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, so that was that was Delvin's number seven. So I will let's let's go. Um, we'll go a little a little newer than the last couple that I did, but it's more like the two thousands. Talking about um, moves that just have a feeling of power. Um, uh, another kind of underrated wrestler that was kind of limited to gimmick stuff more more recent more recently when you see him just because of a catchphrase. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Dominator, uh, Ron Simmons or Farouk, depending upon how you might have known him. That that move looked just devastating you didn't get to see it very often that was the other thing that felt like it made it special because i don't think he kept that finisher for very long the uh the dominator is if you're unfamiliar with it richard is uh you know what a power bomb is uh i mean if you if i saw it identified it okay. that i would know what it is so like. th- th- the other guy in front of you let's say you punched him in the gut and he's he's bent over you know in pain from the punch or whatever Start in that position, and you're facing that person. Grab him around the midsection, lift him up, and then slam him uh, face and body front first. That's the dominator. Gotcha. It looked sick. Yeah. It looks like something that would be done in a street fight. (laughs) (laughs) Up, down, done. (laughs) Probably has been done in a street fight. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe right. Man, and he was wasn't um, wasn't Ron Simmons like the first the first uh, uh, African American champion? That is correct. He was the first African American champion in wrestling. Yeah. WCW, which is ridiculous because there there are so many good wrestlers. Uh, that I mean, he he is awesome too. But to have it take that long is just ridiculous. Yeah, such a great talented wrestler should have won more championships. In terms of the world championship, oh, Ron yeah. Simmons was amazing. I met him one time, super nice guy. Funny story about when I met him, he was signing what I like. I got an autograph from him, so he had a picture, and his catchphrase was "Damn." Yep. So he's signing the picture that says "Damn," and my daughter looks at the picture and says, "Daddy, what did that say?" And he looks at me and just bursts out <laughs> laughing. Like, ah! <laughs> It says darn, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, it's man. It's a device that blocks water. <laughs> uh, all right, Richard, we're, we're approaching the middle of the middle of the pack. What is your number six? Okay, so I've got a, a good one here that is not good at all, but it's a good one. <laughs> uh, okay, so I, I know... Uh, I know, Ken, that you'll you love this wrestler. Uh, I've got Sergeant Slaughter and the Cobra Clutch uh, because GI Joe. The yeah, yeah. There I I knew it was going to be on your list. There was no way that he was not going to be there. He's just, the the character itself is just funny, right? 
and the character on the cartoon is funny to me personally, <laughs> but it was such a good marketing tool and a good money maker that it, they, the two it had to go hand in hand. I don't know. It was just, it's amusing to me looking back on it because of course, when I was that age, I just, I just sucked it all in like, Oh my gosh, this is great. But you know, nowadays it's, it's just funny. That's all. Yeah. Uh, I remember, because you know we were both big on the on the GI Joe stuff when we were kids, and you were too, weren't you, Delvin? Yes, I was. So, so we're all. I remember when I was a kid because you're watching this cartoon. It's like, oh, Sergeant Slaughter. It's like a wrestling, and then see how he is portrayed in the in the cartoon. It's like, wow, he's buff. Wait, hold on. I've seen this guy in real life. Uh, <laughs> what, no. What's happening? <laughs> this isn't right. <laughs> Which right now, uh, uh, if you don't know, or the listeners don't know, it, uh, Hasbro has a channel on YouTube that's just 24-7 streaming G.I. Joe episodes. So you that's can go cool. and watch G.I. Joe whenever you want to. Nice. Um, and they're just playing them kind of in, a, in, a, in order. Mm-hmm. And there's usually, every time I look, there's about four or 500 people watching it right then, right at that particular moment. That seems right. That's really cool. All right. The interesting thing about Sergeant Slaughter back then was the fact that he, in G.I. Joe, there was a time in G.I. Joe, Sergeant Slaughter was always a good guy in G.I. Joe. Right. But in actual wrestling, he was a heel. He, he became a heel. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it was the dichotomy of being a kid and watching Sergeant Slaughter as a heel. Basically, at one point, he was an Iraqi sympathizer. Right. Which is crazy to think about. <laughs> for that time and he's this horrible person in wrestling and in G.I. Joe he's the real American all American invincible good guy so it's just so weird to see that dichotomy played out that back then <laughs> I kind of want to I want I want to see the 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 G.I. Joe kind of miniseries movie they did where they're creating Serpentor. We must get DNA from all the greatest minds and we need the best physical specimen and then actually have it cut to some of the wrestling bits that show him the way that he oh. <laughs> It'll be fantastic. Yeah. I know you guys remember that. He was one of the people who they used to create Serpentor. Yep. Yeah, they used yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's funny. Dr. Mindbender. <laughs> But all right, so what is your number six, Mr. Cox? Number six could have easily been my favorite finishing move in wrestling because I remember it so well. But I put it at number six to be fair because I know people are like, oh, who could you pick? It's the combination of the Spear Jack Hammer by Goldberg. Yeah. Such an awesome move, especially in his prime at WCW. Watching Goldberg come out there and hit somebody with the Spear. Richard, you know what a Spear is, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. imagine this big guy. He felt like six five. Yeah, huge muscle, nothing but muscles. Spear you as hard as he can, because that would make this awesome. He literally speared the person as hard as he can. He would take him off the mat. Yeah, and then Ooh. you, in most cases, that in most wrestlers, that would be the finishing move for them. Mm-hmm. But to make sure they were down and done, he then lift them up and. He basically pick him up for a vertical suplex and kind of like power slam him. Yep. And it was caught in the jackhammer. Into it's a an pin. amazing move. Yeah. Into a pin. Amazing move. 
almost no one ever gets out of it. It was super cool, super awesome. Goldberg was just a guy. He didn't have a big move set no. like other wrestlers do. But what he used was so explosive and so powerful, it made you believe it. Oh, yeah. He had a couple of really Bill. good ones. I remember seeing his first match with Hugh Morris because uh, I was really watching at that point. And I go, ooh, this is something special. Even before the match had finished, there's something, they're pulling something here. And I couldn't figure out what it was at first. But I was, it was such a phenomenon to see him just win over and over and over again. But also, I mean, you could see that he, if he didn't have it at first, he by the end he had some some training, some actual legitimate training. He could he could do counters, he could do mat wrestling. I mean, there was a bit. Who was he facing? It wasn't um, it wasn't Glacier, but it was oh, I think it was Ernest the Cat Miller uh, trading trading uh, moves, just trying to basically look like it's a, a karate competition to a certain extent, going back and forth, yes. and. Uh, yeah, I just uh, yeah, he was something else. That I'll tell you what, I'll make number six that for me too because it was on my list. <laughs> just awesome. keep it keep it simple. <laughs> but uh, I he has very big neck muscles. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, and and the way oh, and that still bothers me the way they ended his streak. That just that was horrible. That was some of the worst writing. If you're going to do it, do it right. Don't do it with a cattle. Prod. I mean, Jesus. That was really bad. But, oh well. It was WCW going towards the later days, so what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> All right, before... They're paying the, paying the writers on the cheap at that point. Right. Well, no, not really. <laughs> Everybody was making a lot of money at that point. Too much money, some would say. Yeah, Ted, Ted Turner uh, was more than happy to fuel it with just stupid amounts of money. And, uh, yeah, uh, so, yeah. Anyway, before we get into the top five, I just want to remind people of a couple of things. Don't forget to check us out on social media, uh, at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter, at Pudding Guys on Instagram and Facebook, and at Pudding Guys on Patreon, where for just $1 per month, you can help us buy new equipment. You can help us maintain this wonderful structure that is a podcast. And we always appreciate all of our patrons and thank you very much for the help that you give. And don't forget to check out Delvin Cox's Patreon too, because he's got some great content on there uh, that you're just not going to hear in any other way. And you, you got to give this guy a chance. He's got some good stuff, man. Thank you. Definitely, definitely. All right. Mr. Richard, number five. Uh, I have, I have for you today at number five, a, another, um, rope jumper, let's call it. <laughs> rope uh, jumpy thingy. Okay. Yes. The Superfly Splash by oh, Mr. Yeah. Jimmy Superfly Snooker. That's a good one. Yeah. It's not quite a frog splash because he doesn't do that pike maneuver. It's just kind of a. Correct. Uh, out and over, but man, he could, he could make it look dramatic. Do you remember the one uh, in the in the cage in the cage match that he did? Yes. Good lord. And you know he, I. It goes back to I think we I mentioned it before too. Just when in a time when it was about you know athleticism, and you know the theatrics were coming into it, people weren't just willy nilly jumping off things into the into the ring. So this was uh, I, I feel like. Uh, 
just a, a feat that people were really amazed by in a sense at the time where it was just like it made things more it's it made things stand out more when he did that compared to some of the other moves at the time and he sometimes did it in a grass skirt which is even more amazing i forgot about that yes <laughs> very much so all right what about you mr delvin number five let me see what my number five is i think there we go. This number five is the classic. Mm-hmm. I think you guys will appreciate this one. It's the Tombstone Pile Driver from The Undertaker. <laughs> and that was what we were alluding to earlier when we were talking about how Bret Hart did the Pile Driver because <laughs> he did it the exact same way, but he's much bigger and it looks much cooler. Yeah. Undertaker just basically flips you up over your head and drops you on your head. Yeah. And that's it. And the cool thing about the Tombstone Power Driver is the way he did it, nine times out of ten, people weren't getting out of it. Like Undertaker was a big dude. Like Undertaker's like what, six eight? Yeah. Six nine? He's 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 getting close to seven. Not quite there, but he's real close. Yeah. Now I oh. will I will say this. You're talking about Undertaker. Um I had one honorary mention. I'm gonna throw it in here just because you mentioned Undertaker. I I love the powerbomb maneuver. Nearly everybody has a version of a powerbomb, whether it's a sit-out powerbomb, a powerbomb pin, a triple powerbomb, or whatever. The powerbomb move just has a great look to it. So yes. it's it's very popular. I love his version of the powerbomb called the last ride. Now, Richard, I want you to imagine uh, that, that powerbomb, the guy's you know bent over because uh, he got punched in the gut or whatever, you grab the guy, his leg goes between, you grab by the midsection, and you lift him up, and normally you then slam him down back first for the power bomb. But he would stop at the top, at the apex, grab them, and then lift them up further, and then bring them down. It was awesome. Once again, the strength, because it's not like he's just lifting up 150-pound dudes and doing that. You know, That's just a lot of... That's like a, it's like a lot of time in the gym, I guess you could say. There are some videos, <laughs> and, and a, you know, a lot of times with a needle in the butt too. Yeah. Neither here nor there. You'll ignore that part. Uh, all right. So number five, moving right along. We're, we'll 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 keep it into kind of, some of the same um, time frame on this one. Um, it's a little overdone just because of the length of the gentleman's career and a lot of people had a version of the move in one form. Uh, but uh, Stone Cold Stunner. The uh, the Stone Cold Stunner just kind of could come out of nowhere and it looked like it was just going to put you straight on your butt. Kick you in the gut, come around, grab you by the chin and just yank down. And you would land. Uh, DDP had kind of a version of that, although a lot of people say, no, it's not the same. Yes, it is. It's the same. It's just without the, the gut kick. He would, he was a little more creative in how he would apply the move, but it's basically the same move. Even the twist of fate is basically the same move. Very similar. But there was no beer in the other ones. No. <laughs> <laughs> one, one had yoga and the other one had drama. So, you know, that's what it is. All right, number number four. 
So I, I had, <clears throat> I had some others trying to figure out, I would add one and then I look and I had a different variation of that same one. So I, I, I've been having to jumble things around because I, when I identify one as one thing and I, and when I identified it as another thing, it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. I keep finding, I keep trying to find the appropriate one. So I, I, I got in this one uh, because one, once again, it's funny, but I have the shake, rattle and roll by the honky tonk band. That's a good move. I mean, he, he's a, he was a joke as a wrestler, but that's a good move. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And, and that one, that one itself is, it, it just the whole, the whole persona of the character is, is funny, right? I mean, I don't know if it was meant to be at the time a serious, but funny. And it just came off, you know, if you're, if you're young at that time, you just thought it was silly. But when you look back on it, you're like, wow, it's, it's actually kind of funny. But like the whole character set, but then to have a, like a a quote serious move set like that, it's just <laughs> it's just a complete you know change. It's a it's a it's a one eighty in the in the presentation. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought that character was amusing. Oh yeah, definitely. I feel he uh, won more matches with the guitar than he did with the swinging neckbreaker. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> with the five dollar guitar that would you know just made out of the thinnest piece of wood you could ever imagine all right so here's a tester for delvin on that so honky tonk man right he has two important links to wrestling history one uh, i think has since a uh, 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 wrestling um uh, guinness or a wrestling record that he held for a while i think that has been beaten since but um he had a record and he had a link to an important uh, shift to a wrestler's career. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. What is it exactly? So the Honky Tonk Man had the uh, record for the uh, quickest lost uh, for an intercontinental title in seven oh, seconds. Oh, wasn't it the Ultimate Warrior? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> he just, just one, two, three, done. Uh, it was it was over. He was kind of hard to take seriously after that. I know I know it's intended to make Ultimate Warrior look amazing, but it didn't. It just made him look awful. Uh, <laughs> so so there was that. And he, even after his wrestling, uh, acted as a manager. And he managed somebody that was really big in the Attitude Era right before the Attitude Era. He managed Billy Gunn. And Billy Gunn had the rockabilly gimmick that he would do. I remember that. And that was horrible. It was it was awful. <laughs> but uh, but it made for it when he finally broke away from him with Road Dog to kind of do their own thing. It's like oh, they're they're commenting on their own gimmicks as being stupid and kind of yeah. sort of breaking the fourth wall. And it's like oh, that's that that was really neat. That was something innovative at the time. Billy Gunn still wrestles to this day, by the way. For those who don't know, do what? Billy Gunn still wrestles to this day. Oh yeah, he does. He, he's an AEW. <sighs> yeah, he has he has he has some very impressive physical talent. And he's and he, I saw the other day he wrestles with his son. His son is his tag team partner. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna have to take a look at that. I had no idea. Yeah, you can watch it on. Uh, he was on AEW Dark. It's the YouTube 
version of AEW. That's free. It's like you have YouTube. You can watch it. And he was on there wrestling that match for his son as his tag team partner. I'm definitely going to take a look at that. So, Mr. Delvin Cox, what is your number four? This was an easy one. This was an easy one to pick. I think it's I think it's one of the most recognizable moves in sports entertainment because it's done by the most recognizable person in sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. The rock bottom of the people's elbow. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way not to have that on your list. Yeah. The rock's bottom. It's very simple, but it's effective. But with it being added with the people's elbow, it's a pretty cool finisher. Like, the whole thing is this. The Rock, I'm quite sure you guys heard of The Rock. Yeah. He may, he may be a big star or not now. No. It's, an, it's a modified Samoan suplex. Yes. He basically just put you on one side of his body, Richard, pick you up with like one hand, slam you on the ground, and then he would proceed to walk around you, kick you, <laughs> and then proceed to bounce from one side of the rope to the other side of the rope, then come down with an elbow drop. Yeah. It, uh, so it was a, a multifaceted maneuver, is what you're saying. Very much so. And he, he started doing the elbow drop as a joke, yeah. as like a mockery of wrestling, mm-hmm. but the move actually got over and fans were cheering for it. <laughs> it was so super popular. It as, as a finishing move. Because it was, it was basically was there- making fun of the leg drop. Of Hulk Hogan, that is that yes. was what it was, just with the elbow instead of the leg. Because there's there's no force, there's zero force. It's just all style, no force. Yes. Was there a uh, raised eyebrow in the course of doing that? Yes. Yes. He did that usually when he's getting ready to do the the people's elbow. He take off the elbow pad, and raise the eyebrow. Yeah, that was the thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I always loved that bit. It was it was too much fun. And uh, it just made me giggle every time. So, you know what? Again, just like you did with the jackhammer, I'll make that my number four because it was already on my list anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> got to have the rock bottom. All right. We're into the top three. We're into the big time now. Mr. Uh, Mr. Richard, what is your number three? Okay. So, these, these next two are more, um, uh, let's call them ceremonial type ones because they're, I feel like pretty, not necessarily impressive, but they were the ones that you always recognized. So this, this next one I have is the figure four leg lock. That's a good one. You know, Ric Flair, uh, Ric Flair. Uh, and he wasn't the only one that did it in no. that era, in that era, but he was the one that everybody, I think m- maybe, they correspond that move with him and Ric Flair to this day is immensely popular among people who pay attention to wrestling and follow wrestling and have their legacy on wrestling. I I feel like Ric Flair is at the time when you, when you watched wrestling, there was lots of people to root for and against. There was always those people, but I feel like he made, I mean, he may be even more popular now than what he was then. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm misinterpreting this, but I just feel like I see him or people get excited when he's around more often than what I would ever have expected. And maybe I'm missing something. No, no you're right. <laughs> he's- I, I, 
I will give you an interesting fact about Ric Flair and the figure four. Yeah. He's almost beaten no one with the figure four. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's the weirdest thing about the figure four. It, it almost beats, like, no one. Yeah. He may have beaten, like, five people with the figure four, if that. They always get to the ropes, or my favorite, let's flip it over so that knees are down, and then all of a sudden that means it's backwards, which makes no sense at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Rolling but, around. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. But it's his finishing move. It's you know, it's, one of, it's his finishing move, but he almost never beats anybody with it, which is weird, but it's interesting. Like, I love the move. It's an incredible move. Yeah. But it's just, that's just the weird tidbit about it. It's just one of those finishing moves that never finishes anyone. Yeah. I think, if I'm correct, when he fought Jericho, I think it was Jericho. He fought Jericho. Jericho told him, you have to beat me with this move. The figure four has to beat someone. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah. I, I, the nature boy. Yeah, I just don't. It it does have one other thing that I think it inspired. It's not maybe direct, but it makes me think back to the WCW days. Um, I really enjoyed the Disco Inferno. Uh, kind of a mid-card wrestler. He never rose above it. Had a lot of style. Um, so-so on the mic. His moveset was okay. But there was a bit of plot that he's. I'm debuting a new. I'm debuting a new uh, submission hold, and it was basically like the figure four. But he didn't know yes. how to do it, so he brought notes down <laughs> to the ring to try and remind himself what limb goes I where. <laughs> it was it was fantastic. <laughs> All right, number three, Mister Delvin. Well, I know it's going to be easy, short and sweet. It's the stunner. Yeah, that makes sense. Got to have the stunner. We can move on from there because we already talked about the study. <laughs> <Anyway. detail. laughs> All right. Well, let's go to my number three. Uh, somebody that I feel was really underrated. Um, actually, two two wrestlers have used this move. One moved past it pretty quick and didn't keep it for real long. But um, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, what's called the flatliner. Uh, Chris Canyon and Ooh, Edge both used that move. So... You watched wrestling in the 80s, so you may be familiar with this part, Richard. Do you know what a side Russian leg sweep is? Is that the thing that is in um, uh, Street Fighter that the, the, the guy did? I'm just being... Possibly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so basically, imagine that you're standing next to a guy. You're both facing the same direction. Uh, side Russian leg sweep, you would basically grab his left arm with your left arm, grab him around the neck, loop your right leg around his left leg, and yank back, and you would both hit the mat. Now, the flatliner okay. is, is yep. that move, but turn the dude around so that they went face first into the mat. I saw that the first time, and it blew me away. Very good move. Chris Canyon was an awesome wrestler, man. Yeah. Sorely missed. He's definitely an innovator. If he was still alive, then he'd be teaching somewhere. It's incredible moves that he always was an innovator in wrestling. Such a short time span he was in wrestling. Yeah. But so inspired so many generations with the moves that he made. People, flatliner, he did so many just cool moves. Kane yeah. was awesome. He, 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 his only thing that held him back, that lisp, and that was the, I think that was the whole reason he never got the push. You you couldn't take him seriously on the mic, unfortunately, just because of that. Yeah. 
That sucks. Well, it's hard. It's hard to innovate in a in a sport that's been, you know, present for such a long time. When all these moves have been done and people have all done all these, it's like the dunk contest in the NBA, right? It's hard to do something different because so many people have done them those things before you. So if you can find someone that is that can innovate and do things a little bit different, it's just a wonder sometimes where in all those types of sports where those people go, where if you say he was so popular and so good and so, you know, well-liked, you know, it's, it's interesting that some of those people that are so good and so well-liked have such just that short window where they, where they make it basically. And I, I'm still mad that Edge changed his finisher away from that to the, the execution, which is just stupid. I'm sorry. I hated that move. It's like, it's a DDT. It's just a DDT. Pretty much. But, yeah, anyway. That's neither here nor there. We're, we're, we're approaching the finish line, though. Number two, Richard, what is the second best move to you? Okay. Much maligned is this move. Um well, we mentioned it multiple times already about how dumb it is, actually. Uh, <laughs> but that's honestly, but so that's iconic. one reason why I picked it. Uh, but it's as the young kid growing up and when you were when, when I was younger and I watched wrestling, there was all the cool people like um, Andre the Giant was really cool. And Hulk Hogan was really cool. What you think of Hulk Hogan after that time frame, since that time frame, what he's done, how he's been, you're right. It changes your perception of him. But at the time when he had his, you know, was it 24 inch pythons? Uh, is that yep. what it was? That's um, and like the, the long, just straight as you can get straight, like blonde hair mm. and he was just he was huge right he was just like a huge muscle man that his big move was the leg drop <laughs> and it was so like it, it was so meaningless right <laughs> that like but but that was the move right yeah that to that that was the one of all these moves of all the people we've talked about that's like the one move that I can remember mm. clear as day rooting for that to happen as a young kid. And it, it, it's looking back on it, like you discussed or what we've mentioned. It's, it's so, it's just a, a person's leg falling down on your chest or whatever. And that's it. Like there is no, there's, there's no, there's no skill to it there's no impact to it but that's what almost what makes it good in a yeah. sense thinking about those old matches actually one of the one of the individuals that he uh faced uh, on a handful of occasions just uh passed away uh james kamala harris just uh passed away unfortunately yes rest in peace kamala he was an excellent worker yeah super fun wrestler like he's represents that 80s nostalgia 90s early 90s nostalgia of wrestling and he will be missed yeah all right but, but that that leg drop parlayed it into an acting career if you think about it yeah, yeah. not the leg drop itself but i mean he was in movies 
whether they were good movies or bad movies. It, it was one of the things that if you think about it, and maybe maybe it's a whole other thing where the professional wrestler who has to be athletic but has to be um, has to be good on his feet in terms of in front of the microphone in terms of how you act and perform why doesn't that translate or why didn't that translate more naturally into a on-screen career like it like it has now and he was one of those people that kind of pushed the boundary in doing something like that yeah definitely so all right all right number two delvin what you got number two is difficult for me because it's a great move but it is way too much overused now, like in an, an insane degree. Oh, you're talking um, about the super kick. Yes. <laughs> super kick is number two, but it's specifically Shawn Michaels' Sweet Chin music. It, it, it's great. It's so great. It's so iconic, but it's also the most overused yeah. move in wrestling. Like, everybody does super kicks now, but when, I, when Shawn Michaels did it, he was the only one doing it. Yeah. It looked awesome. And it felt like, okay, this is taking the guy out of the move. It's basically just a, a sidekick yeah. to the face. Yep. That's all it is. It's simple, but it's very effective. And it made it seem like, yeah, Matt can take you out. This is giving you a concussion. This is taking you out the game. Super simple. And it fit Shawn Michaels to the T. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And I can't remember somebody, because it wasn't him that figured it out, but hats off to the wrestler that figured out that you should slap your own leg at the same time that you hit the move so that it sounds like it just has this massive impact because it makes it so much better. Yes. It makes it feel like you're just breaking their jaw because of the loud sounding impact. Yeah. Crack. Super, super cool. Dude. Now, did you like the uh, X marks the spot variant? Which was X marks the okay, spot? Okay, so X, X marks the spot. The uh, 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 tag team combination of um, X Pac and Just Incredible. They would. I don't, even, I don't remember that. <laughs> I got a lot of these tidbits. They would both do a simultaneous super kick from opposite sides to one person. That was the X marks the spot. Oh, that's cool. I don't, I don't remember the bigger tag team. Now I gotta look that up. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So, number two for me um, comes from a wrestler who I, I'm always conflicted about. I know he is one of the greats for sure. There is no question about that because he has the microphone skills. He knows how to repackage himself over and over and over again and always does really well. And I always loved him for that. And I've never liked his moveset, not once, except for his finishers. He almost always does a really good job on choosing the finishers, and that would be Chris Jericho. I, I couldn't decide between the original walls of Jericho or the Codebreaker. Probably the Codebreaker I like a little bit better, but um, man. Codebreaker's cool move. Yeah, so I know I've talked to you, Richard, and other times about the uh, walls of Jericho. It's essentially a Boston Crab. But instead of sitting on his back, you basically put your knee into the back of his neck and yank up on the legs. And eventually, he just started doing it like a regular Boston Crab, which was boring. But When he got lazy, yeah. Yeah. But the code breaker is uh, basically if you're behind somebody, you jump up, grab his shoulders, 
put both of your knees in the middle of his back and yank back. And so you land on the you land on the mat, but he drives right into both of your knees. Yes. Hmm. Super simple. Yeah, super effective. Yeah. It looks fierce every time I see it. And I think uh didn't uh um I about said Colt Cabana, but um not Colt Cabana, but his um f- familia. Um See uh, Punk? No, um the um um Copacabana. No, it's a, <laughs> big hair would always take a bite out of the apple. Oh, Carlito. Carlito. He had a version of that move as well that he would do. Yes. I could space in the names getting old, man. <laughs> does, does Chris, Chris Jericho is like one of the quote stars of the AEW. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Does he still do that move? In- no, he does a terrible move. Now he does what's called the Judas effect. Yeah. Which is literally him hitting you with his back elbow. <laughs> That's the move. It's thrilling. It is incredibly lazy. Yeah. Yeah, it made me sad when I heard about that just a little bit. But you know, you can't they can't all be winners. <laughs> yeah. I get why he does it. He does it so he can have a longer career. Right. But it's not very exciting to look at. No. Well, he's he's gotta be getting towards the end of it anyway. I mean it's Yeah. He's had he's had a lot of uh, rough matches over the years. Yeah. All right, we are to it. Number one, the best finishing move, at least in your eyes. I knew this was going to be my number one when we get to it. Uh, all the other ones, I wasn't entirely sure where they'd hit. But, Richard, what is your number one finishing maneuver? Um, I wanna I wanna say that this move was supposed to be banned. I thought. Uh, but it was at the time, right? That was the talk. It was it was the DDT by Jake the Snake. It did get a ban for a little while. Sure did. Yes. Yep. That was and, fake. <laughs> that yeah. Was all story. Because it was yeah, so dangerous, right? You know, but but you had mentioned before that a lot of folks in the industry do some move similar to what or a version of the DDT. So it's kind of a, uh, not, I don't want to say placeholder precursor. Uh, It's just a, a move that a lot of people still utilize in their move set. Nothing fancy, but just instantly recognizable. Very much so. So the reason that that move was kind of a fake ban versus say the pile driver, which really was banned is that like with the pile driver, when you're performing that move, you've got to make sure that their head doesn't actually hit the mat. And it's very difficult to do in that position. They can just have that compression right on the neck. With the DDT, when you're doing it right, they don't hit. I mean, you're the one. Yeah, you're the one that hits the mat with the arm. It just looks like they do. And it's it's beautiful. As long as you have their head in a position where your arm is a little bit over it, they're fine. Yeah. Oh, good memories. DDT is a – and Rock even would use that as a, a prep maneuver before he got to uh, to his finishing uh, stuff. So, yeah, good good callbacks on that one. What about you, Delvin? Your number one. My number one is interesting, but I picked it because it may be one of the most popular moves in wrestling. Like, everybody talks about it. Everybody sees it. And the best thing about this move is that it can be done 
almost out of nowhere. And it's the RKO. Randy mm-hmm. Orton's RKO. I think it's super cool. Where basically, it's kind of like a, a, a lay-down stunner. Yeah. It's, it's closer but, to uh, Diamond Dallas Page's Diamond Cutter. Diamond Cutter. Yes. But the cool thing about the RKO is he can literally hit it from anywhere. If somebody's jumping off the top rope, he can catch somebody that can hit the RKO. He, one of the coolest RKOs, you should definitely look this up, Richard, is Randy Orton's fighting against Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is getting ready to do his finishing move, which is called the curb stomp, <laughs> which awesome. is literally what it sounds like, <laughs> where he stomps your head into the, into the ground. Randy Orton somehow catches him, throws him up in the air while he's trying to do the curb stomp and hits the RKO out of nowhere. It's yeah. amazing. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's beautiful. And it's one of the RKO is such a more such a recognizable move. Like you can go find give random gifts of Randy Orton doing RKO to like sharks. <laughs> like it's it's pop culture. Like people know yep. the RKO. Like you can talk to any kid and they can tell you what the RKO is. Even if they don't like wrestling or not. I didn't like his character that like much. I've, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I feel like I've seen those videos. Uh, of uh, on YouTube and stuff too. So yeah, most likely. Yeah, I didn't like him much, but he grew on me. I, 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 I it's like all right. Evolution, I thought was just kind of a stupid little group, and then it's like all right. I guess they're all okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even a big Randy Orton fan, but I can't like deny that move. That move is just so iconic. Yeah, to the point where it's the test of time. And the prep for it, the whole, the whole uh, being belly down to the mat and kind of smacking on it like you're preparing. Yeah, you know, he he he's got an eye for the a flair for the dramatic. It worked pretty well. Yes. All right. Uh, my number one is um, the F five, Brock Lesnar. That's a great one. That's a great one. That move when I saw it the first time, I just it it blew my mind. Uh, for for a couple of uh, different reasons, I hadn't seen anybody do anything like it. And usually, if you start in a fireman's carry, the move is going to be boring. Uh, it's just there's not a whole lot you can do out of that fireman's carry that I'm going to care about. Uh, but being able to take them from the fireman's carry and then throw them around into a circle and have them land face first, no matter how big the person is, geez, oh Pete. And the other thing is like. How does the other person help you in that move? That that's all Lesnar. There there is no assistance. It's yeah, just, just, and it looks dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look safe at all. No, no, it doesn't. Maybe not like uh, him trying to do uh, uh, a moon salt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but uh, good lord, I mean, h- him showing up that first time, uh, just interrupting the match of four or five people and hitting them all with it, and it's just. Uh, I was just, I just like, okay, I got to see that again. He's a big dude. Super cool. Movie. Scary, scary looking dude too. A little Very bit. much so. A little bit. Yeah. Imagine he, a guy like that just lifting you up in there and just throwing you around. Yeah. Like a tornado. Oh, yeah. Hey, he, I, I had, I had a lot more love for him early than I do now just because of, uh, how things have progressed with with the the way that the character has been handled and some of the match choices and I you know like when they when he left talking about uh, the jackhammer talking about him versus um, the first time 
him Goldberg. versus Goldberg. People thought that match was boring and people were mad because they were both leaving. I thought that match was really good. It's one of the few wrestling pay-per-view events, uh, pay-per-view events I actually own because I liked that match. It was methodical. It was well thought out. I thought it was just really good. Uh, I, I think the fans ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> I think the fans, because they knew everybody, they both were leaving, poo-pooed on the match so much it made it not enjoyable. Yeah. I, I thought it was a good match. If you watch it with the sound off and just ignore what the fans are saying, what the fans are doing, I think it's a very entertaining match. And and especially when you compare it against their later matches, those matches were terrible. Uh, the squash matches, oh come on! So you're gonna yeah. you're gonna take one guy that's supposed to be really strong against another guy that's also supposed to be basically unbeatable, and you're gonna have one squash the other repeatedly. What? Yeah. You people need to go back to booking. Uh, that, uh, mm, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like that made me not want to watch anymore. <laughs> I think that's actually right about when I go. Yeah, I'm done. I'm not. I'm not. They don't know what they're doing anymore. Yes, very much so. That is a constant complaint. Yeah. Well, we would love to know what you think. Let uh, well, let us know. Let Richard Del- give his number one. Which of them was the DDT? Yeah. Okay, I was just trying to make sure. Yeah. Yep. D- we, had, we had some good number ones between all of us. They all have some yeah. strong stuff on it and and a legacy. Some of them have legacy. Some of them, I'm sure, will have a legacy. I mean, it's not like uh, the big show's punch or anything. <laughs> 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 or uh, the mandible claw with Mr. Socko, which was <laughs> funny, but not not really good. Um. Oh, oh! Here's here's a good one, Richard. Uh, I was I was kind of hoping you would somehow throw this in, even though it was not when you watched wrestling. But you know how I say that the leg drop is essentially worthless. There is a similar move that was done a little later than that that is even more worthless. Uh, uh, I mentioned uh, Jerry Lawler. Jerry Jerry Lawler had a son that is sadly no longer with us, and he had a tag team partner uh, partner. So it was uh, two sex a. Uh, Brian Lawler and uh, Scotty Too Hotty. Um, <laughs> and Scotty Too Hotty would yep. do the worm. That's his finishing maneuver. <laughs> he would yes. do the worm and then come down with a fist. <laughs> it's the yes. most throwaway nothing move of wow. all time. <laughs> and it took I mean, like do it. 10 minutes. The worm's to do not it. easy. No. But. It's funny. Now, we would love to know what you uh, have to say about this matter. What's your favorite move, or uh, are you just going to laugh at us for talking about wrestling? Let us know. <laughs> Contact us on social media, especially Delvin. He definitely wants to know. you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, you got to hit him up. Uh, but until next time, think about the fun things that are silly to help remind us about things not being quite as bad as they sometimes seem. And uh, we will definitely catch you back with some more goodness next week.